Blog Talk Radio. recognized as Mr. Adams of Massachusetts. Objects of the most stupendous magnitude. Measures which will affect the lives of millions, born and unborn, are now before us. We must expect a great expense of blood to obtain them. But we must always remember that a free constitution of civil government cannot be purchased at too dear a rate, as there is nothing on this side of Jerusalem of greater importance to mankind. My worthy colleague from Pennsylvania spoken with great ingenuity and eloquence. He has given you a grim prognostication of our national future, but where he foresees apocalypse, I see hope. I see a new nation ready to take its place in the world. Not an empire, but a republic. And a republic of laws, not men. Gentlemen, we are in the very midst of revolution. The most complete, unexpected, and remarkable of any in the history of the world. How few of the human race have ever had an opportunity of choosing a system of government for themselves. And the children, I am not without apprehensions, gentlemen. But the end we have in sight is more than worth all the means. I believe, sirs, that the hour has come. My judgment approves this measure, and my whole heart is in it.
All that I have, all that I am, and all that I hope in this life, I am now ready to stake upon it. While I live, let me have a country. A free country. Everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Um, a few things here I'm going to play here tonight, and uh, we'll see if we get any calls here. If not, then that's fine. Um, just get the information out. Like I said, the downloaded versions are really pretty much what everybody listening to now, unless I got a scheduled guest on. So, but uh, listen to this. this is about uh, 19 minutes long. Uh, probably most information you're ever going to get out there for the truth of what's really going on here in America today. So it's up to you what you want to do with the information. I, if I were you, I'd pay attention. If you're also in the speakers that I've had before me, I don't expect the eloquent uh, speech uh, that the other speakers have had coming from me. Uh, they've, they've done a great job of, of, of putting out what our problem is what America used to be, uh, where we're at today, and I think we're all in agreement that it's a pretty dismal place that we're in, and we're frustrated and we're trying to find out how do we get out of this. Uh, we've got to answer the question, what happened? And that's what we're about with America's Remedy. Uh, I took two years off of work to research to try to figure out what happened with America back in the mid-90s, and it was pretty striking. And really what it goes down to is um, we lost our foundation. Here we are on July 4th looking at uh, this is the birth of America, and it really is birth of America under its original foundation. But all that was overturned, and that's what we've got to look at. <clears throat> and it was overturned. It took God out of our society. And... Um, Now, again, like I said, is, is the issue is not how we got here, but what what we can do about it. And the theme of this is, Lord, heal our land. You know, we go to Second uh, Chronicles, and I just want to read a little bit further than what's traditionally read of the first sentence. This is the, the Lord speaking to Solomon. He says, if, and that's if, my people are called by, or my people who are called by my name, humble themselves and pray. And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear then I then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. If you will walk before me, as David, your father, walked, doing according to all that I have commanded you, and keeping my statutes and my rules, then I will establish your royal throne. And if you turn aside and forsake my statutes and my commandments that I have set before you and go and serve other gods and worship them, then he'll pluck you from the land. We've been plucked from our foundation. We strayed in the past. It didn't happen bit by bit. It happened by one fell stroke. 
In Second Chronicles seven fourteen, it says, "If people will turn from their wicked ways, what are these wicked ways that we have in our land? Uh, we're following false gods. We're following false teachers, and we are following false beliefs. We've got to turn from these false gods. Did we not see that in Israel? How many times did they start following false gods? We find ourselves in the same place." We need to start seeking wise counsel and the people getting together and talking about what happened in this land so that we can get it back. Um, I'm going to start, even though we had a a very good uh, uh, talk before our foundation, I'm going to start with two quotes from our founding fathers. First from James Madison, it says, We have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each and all of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God. And then the one that we hear often also from Patrick Henry, It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often this great nation was founded not by religionists but by Christians, not on religion but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. And with that quote from Patrick Henry, I want to go to his famous speech. And I want to have you look at the struggle he was having. Now, this was a couple of years before 1776, and he's looking at what we're looking at today, an out-of-control government, and what are we going to do about it. And this is selected portions of that famous speech. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense? I should consider myself as guilty of treason towards my country and an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, is it natural to men to indulge in the illusions of hope? We are apt to shut our eyes against the painful truth and listen to the song of the sire until she transforms us into beasts. For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. And that's a question I want to ask you. Are we prepared to know the whole truth and then to provide for it and to know the worst? Because we've got some bad things in our history that we need to deal with that deal with how we lost the foundation. Patrick Henry goes on. He says, sir, we, we are, sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means of which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people armed in the holy cause of liberty and in such a country as that which we possess are invincible by any force, force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destiny of nations, who will rise up friends to fight our battles for us. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. Why stand here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear or peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, Almighty God. I mean, what? It's hard to say those words. I mean, what? What course others may take? But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. Today I'm going to go over a topic that's very uncomfortable in this present age of extreme political correctness. Um, 
We've often heard that two wrongs don't make a right. How many times have we heard that two rights can make a wrong? And I think it's been discussed here today. We've talked about our, our rights, where they come from. And we talk about our rights coming from two different places. America was founded on the principle that our rights come from God. We had the unalienable rights of God. All that changed. Between 1861 and 1865, the United States had what is often called a civil war, even though there was nothing civil about it. Uh, and the major change in American law that came out of the American Civil War was a change in where our rights come from. They no longer come from God. How many people have ever been taught this? It's a fundamental change. We originally had our rights coming from God. Now we have rights which come from an anti-Christian, anti-God, humanist belief system. And that's what we see in force today. The issue I'm going to get is what we today call civil rights. We're taught to embrace civil rights because we're told that these give rights to blacks. But I want to show you what civil rights have done in our country. In 1980, the display of Ten Commandments was declared unconstitutional because it violated the civil rights the federal government had laid out. Now, what does our God say? Does our God tell us to proclaim his law? Does our God tell us to declare his name, to declare his glory among our countrymen, to speak it publicly? Yes, it does. What did civil rights do? They said you cannot declare God's name public. It's not going to be in the schools. In 1963, in the Supreme Court case of Abington versus Shemp, better known as Murray versus Corlett, Madeline Murray O'Hare, they took her out of school because it violated civil rights. Not God-given rights, civil rights that came from the American Civil War. Said you cannot say prayers, Christian prayers to your children. Does that violate what God says? We have two sets of rights in this country. Which one do we choose? Lawrence versus Texas in 2003, homosexuality was declared a civil right. Roe versus Wade, abortion violated the civil rights of Roe. published in um, uh, October 22nd, uh, 2014. President Bob, I'm going to read from it. It says, while President Barack Obama said during his first presidential campaign in 2008 that he thought marriage was strictly between one man and one woman, he now has constantly stated that same-sex marriage is guaranteed under the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. Now, why does he say the 14th Amendment? The 14th Amendment is what created, or excuse me, what implemented civil rights in this country. So under the 14th Amendment is what gives us gay marriage. Well, let's just talk about how this all happened. What's our his what does our history say about this situation? We know we fought a war. Oops. Try to keep up my time here. We know we fought a war between 1861 and 1865. 
What was the product of that war? That war was over in 1865, and there's a lot of history that can be said. I'm not as good as the, the, the speaker that uh, uh, gave us the entire book of Revelation in 20 minutes. I can't give you the entire history of the Civil War and what all happened in 20 minutes. But what happened was the war was fought over state rights, whether states had a right to do what they wanted, whether the federal government had control over the states. Now, Basically, the federal government won, said it had control over states, so it had control over the rights of the people. It nationalized citizenship. The 14th Amendment was proposed in 1866, and again, this is the amendment that is going to uh, force uh, uh, civil rights upon the American people. The 14th Amendment was proposed in June of 1866. All the southern states were considered back in the Union. North Carolina, South Carolina, we were in the Union, participating in the Union in 1865. We abolished slavery. The 13th Amendment was passed in December of 1865, and North Carolina participated in that. It was considered back in the Union in 1865. 1866, they proposed the 14th Amendment, which was going to nationalize citizenship, which was going to give Congress the authority to decide what the rights of all people are, civil rights. The southern states rejected it, all with the exception of Tennessee. And most of the northern states rejected the proposed 14th Amendment. It wasn't going to pass. So what did Congress do? Congress passed the Reconstruction Acts. What was the, what was the purpose of the Reconstruction Acts? The purpose of the Reconstruction Acts was to annul 10 states and then coerce them and force them to pass the 14th Amendment. Here's what happened. Congress said, the state of North Carolina, you're null. You don't exist anymore. But you've got to have, to have a new constitution. You've got to send it to Congress. Congress has to accept it. And then when we accept this new constitution, composed of the people that are loyal to Congress, not loyal to your state anymore, he said, at that point, we will, uh, at, that, at that point that we admit your state, into the Union, you're required by your legislature to pass the, the 14th Amendment. This is in the law. Congress passed a law that annulled the state of North Carolina and said, you can't come back in until you pass the 14th Amendment. And they went a step further. They said, not only pass the 14th Amendment, but you are all states, no, excuse me, the 14th Amendment is required to become part of the national constitution before you can seat senators and representatives in Congress. Is that how we amend the Constitution? But that's what we're sitting under today. Andrew Johnson, President of the United States, vetoed all these acts as unconstitutional. And he, he said this is one of his uh, vetoes. There's another ground upon which these Reconstruction Acts are attempt to be sustained is this, that these ten states are conquered territory. Conquered territory. Where does Congress get the authority to conquer states? The total purpose and function of any government is to guarantee and protect the rights of the people involved in that government, which to the federal government was the states. They had no authority to annul them. Well, the Amendment was passed. The state of North Carolina that's in operation today is actually the second state of North Carolina to enter the Union. It entered the Union because, remember, the first one was annulled by an act of Congress, and they were going to have this other state come into the Union under this Reconstruction Act, and it entered the Union on June 25th, 1865. Or, excuse me, June 25th, 1868. June 25th is when the state that's operating in Raleigh today came into the American Union. 
by the president. Congress had a supermajority passed over the president. And so what happened? The governor of North Carolina refused to leave a seat of the original state of North Carolina, refused to leave a seat. So General Canby, a United States general in the United States Army, issued General Order Number 120 and ordered the removal of the governor of North Carolina from the, from, from the governor's office. In a, on July 1st, 1868. Remember the new state came in on June 25th? The new governor was, or the old governor was removed by military order July 1st, 1868. Now, what did people say about the 14th Amendment? James G. Williams was one of the congressmen from Maine, and he loved the 14th Amendment. And he said that, uh, uh, he was trying to sell it out, and a lot of people say well, the 14th Amendment and, uh, and this new set of rights is really for the black man. But James G. Blaine said this, he said, in making this extension of citizens, we, we are not confining the breadth and scope of our efforts to the Negro. It is for the white man as well. We intend to make citizenship national. And then he says this, as the vicious theory of state rights have been constantly at enmity with the true spirit of nationality, the organic law of the Republic, which is our Constitution, be, should be so amended that no standing room for the heresy would be left. So no standing room for state rights. Where did our rights come from prior to this amendment? It came from the people of the states, and we said our rights came from God. After this amendment was passed, Congress said they had the authority to decide what our rights are. And they said that they are a godless government that they're going to have separation of church and state. There is no place that they're going to have equality for all. In America, we worship civil rights. That's one of our gods that we get an affection to, and we don't know how to separate ourselves because it feels prickly when we talk about it. It makes the hair on your back go up because we've been so indoctrinated. This is a great concept, a great bestowment upon the people until we see what it did. Daniel chapter 3, when Nebuchadnezzar was making his idol and, and commanding everyone to worship it, and I'm going to compare his idol, him being a representative of government, and his idol being American civil rights. He says, King Hembert, and this is from Daniel 3, 1. Basically, he made an image. He told the people to bow down to it. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown in the blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound... The nations and peoples of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. That's what we have today. Everybody's bowing down and worshipping. But what's the next sentence? But there were some Jews, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty, that neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. And Nebuchadnezzar confronted them and said, What are you doing? You're going I'm going to send you to the fiery furnace if you don't bow down. And they said, if we are thrown into a burning blaze, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve other gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. In America, we have educators, we have historians, we have constitutional so-called scholars and experts who fear societies and governments furnace of fire. They refuse to stand up and talk about this part of our history. 
because they're afraid they're going to be labeled a bigot, a racist. Oh, I mean, heck, I don't even need to start labeling them. We all know what they are. And they do not teach the truth. Reconstruction basically created, I think, what the, we could equate by the earlier speakers, a prodigal nation. It allowed us this humanistic experiment to go out and experiment with immoral indulgence for a hundred years. We got to do whatever we want outside of God, like the prodigal son. How has that served us? It's time to return to the Father, people. It's time to ask for forgiveness and, and, and get back under the rule of our Father. Over the years, I've run across many frustrated people, and, they, and I've run across people who said they're ready for an armed revolution. Of course, I'm always trying to stop all that. We must exhaust the avenues of remedy. America does not need a new revolution. We don't need that. We need a return to our foundation of reliance on God. We need to stop being deceived. And that's what we live in today. We live in a world of deception. We need a return to the truth. We need restoration. We need revival. That's what this country needs. We have to decide to get back to God. Healing our land begins with faith in and reliance on God. If we start seeking truth of what happened to us, the circle stuff, I'm not saying this truth is going to free us. I'm not here to say I'm a savior or this, what this history, if you know it, will save us. It takes action. It takes a prayerful people who are willing to stand up and not be afraid, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are willing to stand up for what our foundation was, which was so eloquently talked about here by many speakers, and say, I'm not going to put up with it. We actually have legal remedy if we will pursue it, and we are looking for people who want that remedy. It's a nonviolent legal remedy that we have a right to. We have a right under God. We have a right even under this godless government to petition against unconstitutional actions, the Reaction Acts, the acts that were put into place by Reconstruction that converted us where our rights come from God to our rights come from the federal government. How many people like the rights coming from the federal government? I think the results have been pretty darn good. We have a way to get out from underneath that if we will learn what happened. One of the things I want to say is I want to give people hope. This is a positive message. You know, Patrick Henry says, let me know the worst so that I can prepare for it. We need to know the worst, not so that we can be fearful, but so that we can prepare for it. This is where we need people who are going to come together, counsel together, and discuss this. And the ministers here that I would love to talk to after this is because we've got to get the church involved. We've got to get godly people involved. We can have a miracle. We can have faith that God will move mountains if we will pray, seek his face, keep his commands, have faith in him, and stand up and not be afraid. Once we have faith in God, we should not be afraid of man. 
We know that America's remedy. We have a lot of resources. You can come talk to me. Talk to Cliff and Sarah back there in the, uh, behind the camera. We need people involved. We need people getting educated. We've got people getting educated in Texas and Virginia, kind of all over the country, of what we're doing here. I'd like for you people to come visit us on Facebook at americasremedy.com. You can watch our videos on YouTube to start getting understand. We put a bunch of this stuff out for free. But we will also do seminars and come and talk with you. You can follow us on Facebook. But, people, it's not government's fault we don't have lawful government. It's not government's fault that we don't have a moral foundation. It's not government's fault that we're, we're worshiping idols in this country. It's our fault because we haven't learned what it takes to get our freedom back. I want to thank everyone for having me here today. I want to thank Lynn. This is a great crowd. All right, everybody, Joseph Gibson podcasting here, understanding the time is what you live today. Uh, there you go. There's your uh, uh, problem. Is really, really explained in a nutshell. That's the best one I can find. A lot of other uh, lectures and a lot of other people have have uh, tried to explain it over the years, and they just don't quite get it. But let's see what this has fed us and what this has turned into, and then I'll open the phone line six five seven three eight three zero six one six. But this is what has happened now because we we become a godless nation and we an idol worshiping nation, and uh, this is what what now has turned into selfish greed. You know, there was an article up on Zero Hedge, a study, Statistica, that a holiday special study. They said, how do you celebrate Christmas? And, of course, a lot of people have different Christmas traditions. Uh, What are the things that they consider to be essential? Well, a lot of people, uh, for them, the the number one answer was music. Uh, 49% said that's uh, an essential holiday tradition, Uh, the music that we listen to that gets us in the mood. But close to that, in a close second, was movies, Christmas movies, 46% said Christmas movies. Well, we have a favorite Christmas movie, Uh, It's a Wonderful Life. And one of the interesting things about it was that I did, on the 100th anniversary of It's a Wonderful uh, Lie, we should say the Federal Reserve, I called it that, I called the video that, since it was based on a engineered panic, the 1907 panic, which features prominently there. And uh, although he was in a wheelchair, you could very clearly see that Potter was modeled on J.P. Morgan. J.P. Morgan uh, was really the uh, archetype of most people's, uh, in most people's minds of a banker. You know, it's a little banker that you see on uh, Monopoly. Uh, that's a caricature of J.P. Morgan. And uh, people understood the game that he was playing, <clears throat> but they were very effective in terms of running that scam to create a panic and then pushing through the Federal Reserve Act uh, when a lot of the senators had gone home for the holidays. They uh, won by 20 votes in the Senate, and yet 30 senators had already gone home on that December the 23rd. They play every angle with this. And, of course, the people who are manipulating us today play every angle. That was the first film uh, a report, I should say, that InfoWars ever had uh, taken off of YouTube. And that was done five years before we were banned. <clears throat> when they said uh, that they took it off, they said it was for copyright reasons. And yet, it was fair use, 
I, I used some clips there to illustrate the point and to draw the parallels, you know, hitting a, a touching a base that everybody was familiar with culturally. Uh, but I got the clips, the short clips that I used, along with commentary, along with a lot of other content. I got the clips from the entire movie that had been up for free on YouTube for years and had nearly a million views, and it remained up. But every time my report on the creation of the Federal Reserve would get to 12,000 views, they, they took it down, and somebody else put it up, and it got to 12,000 views, they took it down, and that happened several times. It was like, you know, once it got up to 12,000 views, it got their attention, and then they immediately purged it. It's kind of interesting, you know, in the same way that I got purged by another branch of the financial system, because they used the banks as a choke point. They used the banks to create hardship and panic and other things. And so this year, after I was purged by PayPal, uh, I contacted and I recorded it, actually. I'll play that for you sometime. Conversation that I had with uh, somebody at PayPal saying, I, I want to know why I was taken off. And uh, they went through and looked at the uh, documents and they said, well, this is strange. I've seen this before. No reason given. Just said remove immediately. Uh, so it seems like when you talk about the banking system, that it really hits a raw nerve. Why? Because it is absolutely fundamental to the control, to the lies that we're still experiencing 108 years later. So here's the uh, report. I want to begin the program with it's a wonderful lie. Over the last 100 years, the Federal Reserve has created bubbles and burst them, enslaved us with debt, and destroyed our purchasing power through inflation. Yes, it's been a wonderful lie for the bankers. There are striking parallels in Frank Capra's It's a Wonderful Life to the lies and tricks that real bankers use to create the Federal Reserve. Human nature doesn't change, and the greedy elite of 1913 and 2013 look and act a lot like Potter, the banker in the movie. And many Americans are left like George Bailey, staring into the abyss as their dreams collapse and they face financial ruin. Do we live in a country that looks a lot more like Pottersville than Bedford Falls? What does Frank Capra's film show us about how we got here and how we can get out? When the Federal Reserve was created two days before Christmas 100 years ago, it was a culmination of six years of fraud, fear, and manipulation. I've never really seen one, but that's got all the earmarks of being a run. Was used to shape public support for the Fed. The panic was triggered by rumors that two major banks were about to become insolvent, just as we see in the movie. George, there is a rumor around town that you've closed your doors. Is that true? I am going all out to help in this crisis. I have just guaranteed the bank sufficient funds to meet their needs. They will close up for a week and then reopen. Just took over the bank. I may lose a fortune, but I am willing to guarantee your people, too. Just tell them to bring their shares over here, and I will pay 50 cents on the dollar. Oh, you never miss a trick, do you, Potter? Unfortunately, J.P. Morgan got away with the deception and was able to shut down competitors and snapped up assets at fire sell prices. Uh, take during the Depression, for instance. You and I were the only ones that kept our heads. You saved the building along. I saved all the rest. 
Yes, well, most people say you stole all the rest. The easiest ones say that, George, the suckers. Charles Lindbergh Sr. warned people at the time of the creation of the Federal Reserve that it would not stop booming bus cycles, but would actually create them in order to benefit its private owners. Here's what he said. To cause high prices, all the Federal Reserve Board will do will be to lower the rediscount rate, producing an expansion of credit and a rising stock market. Then, when businessmen are adjusted to these conditions, it can check prosperity in mid-career by arbitrarily raising the rate of interest. They can cause a pendulum of a rising and falling market to swing gently back and forth, or cause violent fluctuations by a greater rate variation. And in either case, they will possess inside information as to the financial conditions and advanced knowledge of the coming change, either up or down. This is the strangest, most dangerous advantage ever placed in the hands of a special privileged class by any government that ever existed. The system is private, conducted for the sole purpose of obtaining the greatest possible profits from the use of other people's money. They know in advance when to create panics to their advantage, and they know when to stop panic. Inflation and deflation work equally well for them when they control the finance. As we see in the movie, not all lending institutions have the same motivations. Now, you take this one here, the Bernie Bishop, you know, that fellow that sits around all day on his brains in his taxi, you know. I happen to know the bank turned down this loan, but he comes here, and we're building him a house worth $5,000. Why? Well, I handled that, Mr. Potter. You have all the papers there, his salary, insurance. I can personally vouch for his character. Plenty of yours. Uh, you see, if you shoot pool with some employee here, you can come and borrow money. <laughs> what does that get us? A discontented, lazy rabble instead of a thrifty working class. As a former FDIC chair said, all too often the large banks use their models and their algorithms, and if you don't fit in their boxes, you don't get the loan. Dodd-Frank legislation is tying the hands of small lenders, shutting out buyers, and shutting down lenders. Today, there are fewer lenders than at any time the government has kept records. 10,000 banks disappeared between 1984 and 2011. This town needs this measly one-horse institution, if only to have some place where people can come without crawling to Potter. Come on. In the movie, George gets to see what happens to the small town if Potter didn't have competition from credit unions and smaller lenders. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. I mean, look, little fella, why you go off and haunt somebody else? Yeah, so you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it's better if I'd never been born at all. Pottersville, the only businesses thriving are vice. People are angry. The town is filled with signs like, keep moving, keep off the grass. Bert the cop actually shoots at George when he's running away and is no threat to anyone. Everyone is a renter. No one has a stake. Now, you're Ernie Bishop, and you live in Bailey Park with your wife and kids. Look, bud, what's the idea? I live in a shack in Pottersfield. My wife ran away three years ago and took the kid, and I ain't never seen you before in my life, see? Private property and everyone having a stake is the antidote to Pottersville. Well, you're all businessmen here. Don't make them better citizens? Doesn't make them better customers? But whether it's the Trans-Pacific Partnership or a global carbon tax, the global elite don't see you as a stakeholder. They want to turn us all into serfs and treat us like cattle. Just remember this, Mr. Potter, that this rabble you're talking about, they do most of the working and paying and living and dying in this community. 
Was it too much to have them work and pay and live and die in a couple of decent rooms and a bath? Anyway, my father didn't think so. People were human beings to him, but to you, a warped, frustrated old man, they're cattle. In my book, he died a much richer man than you will ever be. I'm not interested in your book. I'm talking about the building and loans. I know very well what you're talking about. You're talking about something you can't get your fingers on. Speaking of riches, do you find the salary amounts amusing when Potter tries to buy George off? Look at your size. <laughs> Young man, 27, 28, married, making, say, 40 a week. 45. 45. 45. George, I'll start you out at $20,000 a year. <laughs> $20,000 a year. You wouldn't mind living in the nicest house in town, buying your wife a lot of fine clothes, a couple of business trips to New York a year, maybe once in a while Europe. You wouldn't mind that, would you, Jones? Would I? Even if George had saved a lot of his $20,000 salary, would it have bought much a couple of decades later? By even the government's very conservative estimate of inflation, the dollar has lost 90% of its value in 1847 when the movie was made. The Fed's deliberate inflation is devastating to anyone trying to accumulate wealth through hard work and saving. So what is the answer to all the George Baileys out there 100 years after the government gave control of our money supply to private bankers like Potter? Well, Potter had more money than he could spend, but... Would any of you want to be Potter? You sit around here and you spin your little webs and you think the whole world revolves around you and your money. Well, it doesn't, Mr. Potter. In the, in the whole vast configuration of things, I'd say you are nothing but a scurvy little spider. George Bailey finally sees how rich his own life is. But he sees the fruits of relationship, honesty, and compassion. Christmas, 
and you see 12,000 religious exemptions in the military, not one granted. Not one granted. If you were a bank and you had 12,000 applications from black families to buy a home and you rejected every single one, especially when many of them are qualified, what do you think we would conclude from that? We would conclude that the bank hates black people. I think we can conclude that the military and the federal government in general hates religious people, people who have convictions. They feel threatened by that. They will have no God before them. That is the hallmark of tyranny. At Christmas time, we celebrate the God who became man. But governments always, tyrannical governments, are run by men who want to become God. And as a matter of fact, it's become a hallmark of the transhumanist uh, technocracy that these people believe, literally believe, that they will become like God and that they will live forever through their technocracy, through their technology. You notice in that movie, uh, he says to Potter, he says, to you, these people are just cattle. Boy, it has never been more true, has it? They feel like they are entitled to put dog tags or ear tags or whatever on us and treat us and order us around like cattle. No one owns anything in their plan for the future. This is a spoiler alert. There is rampant inflation. The federal debt, after trillions from Trump and trillions more from Biden in just two years, not even two years, federal debt now equals about $287,000 per income tax paying household because not every household pays income tax in their system so we have rampant inflation as I pointed out there you know, ludicrous oh you this guy got a house for five thousand dollars can't get a car for that anywhere close to that now especially even a used car that runs because of the inflation because of the engineered panic and crisis and we have a president who is blackmailing people, the Biden blackmail. Let's not call it the mandate. I don't take orders, and I'm not going to be blackmailed. But that's what Biden is trying to do. It's the Biden blackmail. He's blackmailing people out of their jobs now. After, in 2020, we had Trump and his engineered panic. You understand by now, especially if you're a listener of this program, you understand that the panic of 659 uh, days ago, sorry, 651 days ago, that panic was as engineered as the 1907 panic. And it was engineered for a purpose. Trump engineered the panic. Trump began to destroy business after business. They were not essential. And he put Main Street and middle class businesses out on the street. And now Biden, uh, isn't it interesting? You know, we're always told that uh, Republicans, they always are the champions of business, right? Especially small business. Well, we love small business. So they get a Republican to destroy the small businesses of Main Street. And the Democrats come out and say, we're there for the working man. So they get a president who, and the party that's there for the working man, to push the working man out of their jobs. How fitting, how typical, that they always pick these people so they can run counter to type.
counter to the stereotype. Everybody, Joseph Gibson, podcasting here, understanding the times in which we live today. Uh, pretty much depicts the Federal Reserve Bank uh, right up, you know, I mean, and, and you wonder why these, you know, they're taking so long to accomplish their their uh, agendas. And people say, well, you know, why didn't they, you know, they had the Depression there. Look, you know, what the Founding Fathers established here, what what liberty liberty and freedom and everything that was established, it, you know, it they there was no way to, to pull the rug out from everybody back over all this time, but now they can. Now they can because it's they've saw, they've you know attacked little by little, slowly by slowly, and and uh, the agendas and everything that's out there, the many different facets of the new world order, and it's a it's a timepiece. It's it's all a matter of time. And are we are we in the end times now? Are we? Is it almost over? Is this it? I mean, they're hinting nuclear war. What does Jesus say? Rumors of war. Don't be troubled. You know, rule wars, the troubles. You know, all this stuff's coming. You know, so, but it's it's coming to pass. Not a generation shall pass, and then we will see these things. You know, the end will come. So, you know, I'm going to open up the phone lines. If anybody's out there, they want to comment on Pottersville, America. <laughs> That's what America is, Pottersville. Uh, 657-383-0616. Press the number one if you want to talk here on the uh, phone here. If not, I've got plenty of uh, documentary here left here to uh, play uh, to educate the masses and uh, tell the people what exactly what's happening out there. You know, and it's, it's really, you know, it's a shame that many of the people out there, they, they you know, I, I, I noticed that, that really there, there's good people out there, but we're silenced. You know, we're not really. There's no movement amongst the, the the good anymore. There's no. There's no. Like there's no. You know, it's just like we have too much now. We have we we have too much stuff. We have too much entertainment. We have too much of uh, you know, nice things. I mean, back you know in 1776, you know they lived in shacks with you know with their 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 pigs and their cows and and straw. And they didn't have flat screen TVs. They didn't have an Acura in the garage, you know. So they, you know, to go off to war was nothing. Today, you know, many people, you know, how many, you know, you're not going to get the same type of attitude, right? Oh, let's see here. The NWO's official announcement by government shocks the planet. Let's play that one there for you. Australia, 
by the EU, by the European Union, by the UN, and by the Pope, as well as many other, quote, world leaders in the last 48 hours, that a new world order is here of permanent lockdowns, forced inoculations, and fraudulent PCR tests leave your home. They're now on mainstream national television, all the world saying the same message, that you're going to be locked down permanently because being out talking to others is bad, and that this is to politically control you when they plunge the world economy into a total depression and issue you a world digital ID via your smartphone and then an implantable microchip. You see an article with these different videos and reports that is just bombshell by Jamie White at InfoWars.com. Mike Adams, I did a deep analysis of many of the government documents that are public and admittedly put out on the contact tracers and the strike teams now coming to your homes. And they're preparing for forced lockdowns and even quarantines. So that is all coming up, the same martial law you've seen in Europe and other areas now coming here. We're going to have those documents for you. Lay them all out in great detail at the bottom of the hour. We need to mobilize our governors, our legislatures, our churches, our businesses against this global government, big corporations, Congress, China, the U.N., Hollywood, the blue states, the blue cities. This is an incredible time to be alive. Fauci has now announced on all the Sunday shows that he's our God, he's our master. Don't agree with him, big tech manager, you may remember Congress. Uh, that he does want forced inoculations now. So that's all official. It's all happening. They're moving into high gear. These are not vaccines to protect you. These are vaccines that cause all sorts of illnesses and are soft-killed weapons. We have doctors and scientists laying all that out. But first, let's go to that report where they've announced the New World Order in Australia and all over the world that Australia is a microcosm. What's being done there is now coming here. Today is the first full day of the New World Order. Outdoor gatherings are limited to two people. Exercise is allowed, but no further than a 10-kilometre radius from your home. Browsing in shops is not permitted. Only one person per household may leave to do essential shopping. And from tomorrow, funerals are limited to 10 people. It was a world pandemic. It's a one-in-100-year event. So you can expect that we will have transmission. Uh, from time to time, and that's just the way it is. We've got to accept that this is the new world order. We've got to accept that this is the new world order. This is the new world order. This is the new world order. Today is the first full day of the new world order. The new world order. The new world, new world, new world order. I want to be straight with you. There will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. I repeat, there will be no return to the old normal for the foreseeable future. So people assume uh, we are just going back uh, to the good old world which we had um, and everything will be normal again in how we are used to normal, in the old fashion. This is, uh, let's say, fiction. It will not happen. A vaccine on its own will not end the pandemic. Surveillance will need to continue. People will still need to be tested, isolated, and cared for. Contacts will still need to be traced and quarantined. Communities will still need to be engaged. It is a big idea. A new world order. We're going to come back and play the rest of this and then get into all the actual clips from the ministers. This is a permanent world government dress up in masks and gloves and say you're toxic and say you're not essential. And same time, he's giving deadly shots to sterilize you and kill you down the road. I mean, this is it. It's here. They always promise to do it. 
It's led by Bill Gates and Klaus Schwab. They're literally coming to bankrupt you and kill you. charge the vaccine to counter it, that it stops the protein, 
but it actually makes you attack your body. And now, like I told you a year ago, the vaccines won't protect you. Now they're saying, oh, magically they don't protect you. But a few months, you need new shots every few months. And Bill Gates says this is to upgrade and put the UN in charge and, 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 and massively build giant vaccine production so much that you can be vaccinating 7.5 billion people once a month with new things, where you've got to have this new shot every month to be authorized to leave your house. And then they can really start testing on us like guinea pigs. This is such a giant diabolical plan. So here is the UN. I can play the video. We already done it probably 50 times. Of Dr. Ryan, Michael Ryan, of the UN Rapid Reaction Force, says who officials says authorities need to enter homes and remove family members and put you in isolation. This is the perfect cover for permanent martial law that all violates the Nuremberg Code. I'm going to be going into later in the next hour. I'm actually going to read from it. It will blow you away. How everything I read in the Nuremberg Code is what they're violating. You will see it on its face, how illegal this is and how the Nazis were executed for what these people are now doing. I mean, they are making their move, not with tanks and airplanes, but with the whole medical, bureaucratic, eugenics system. So let's get into it right now. Here's Fauci on CNN. He's also on all the other major channels saying he is for local government's mandating. That means forced. Because, again, federally they get blocked, it's illegal, but if a bunch of cities do it on their own, what do you have, a thousand Supreme Court cases? Just like amnesty cities, just like sanctuary cities are illegal, or cities that ban guns are illegal, they still get away with it. Democrat cities, so they're the ones going to send their health departments out with these federal goons, we got the documents, to take you forcibly to centers. It's a revolution. It's illegal, but they're doing it. Here's Fauci. I have been of this opinion, and I remain of that opinion, but I do believe at the local level, Jake, there should be more mandates. There really should be. We're talking about life and death situation. We've lost 600,000 Americans already, and we're still losing more people. There have been 4 million deaths worldwide. This is serious business. So I am in favor of that. You know, one of the things that will happen, and I think the hesitancy at the local level of doing mandates is because the vaccines have not been officially fully approved. Oh! Remember, they can't car wrecks, cancer deaths, heart attacks, all as COVID. Now when COVID actually kills you from the vaccine, the, doc- the documents here, most people dying from it, die from the vaccine. They then call it COVID. It's all a lie. The inventor of the PCR test just happened to die about two years ago, but he said that the whole thing was a fraud, just like Theranos. Remember that company with Bill Gates and that lady that was a so-called PCR test? It was all a scam, telling you had cancer. It's all a fraud. They said we'd have three million dead Americans. We'd have millions of dead in Europe. We didn't. Most of 600,000, 94% out of something else. It's a lie. It's hysteria. And I've got all these clips right here. Dr. Lena Wynn on CNN basically saying it should be mandatory or you should be punished. Here she is. Clear to them that the vaccine is the ticket back to pre-pandemic life. And the window to do that is really narrowly. I mean, you were mentioning, Chris, about how all these states are reopening. They're reopening at 100%. And we have a very narrow window to tie reopening policy to vaccination status. Because otherwise, if everything is reopened, then what's the carrot going to be? How are we going to incentivize people to actually get the vaccine? So that's why I think the CDC and the Biden administration needs to come out a lot bolder and say, if you're 
vaccinated. You can do all these things. Here are all these freedoms that you have. Because otherwise, people are going to go out and enjoy these freedoms anyway. He read those exact lines four months ago. And now all the world, they're reading the exact lines. But sorry, even though you've had all the shots, you've got to have more. It doesn't protect you. It's all a trap. They're holding you hostage. You don't become free by them forcing an experimental injection into you. You let them buffalo you and control you and put you in their cult of domination. They're a eugenics cult. Now, here she is yesterday. Here she is changing her tune, but, but, but still saying punish people that have another shots. And remember, all the states and cities that ended the lockdowns, they had much, 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 much lower levels of it. Because there wasn't depressed people inside with masks, breathing bacteria, and getting bacterial pneumonia, that they would then misdiagnose and put you on a ventilator and kill you. All right. All right, let's end that right there. Okay. All right. Well, I guess we'll wrap it up right there. Uh, hey, I hope you took this information and uh, can use it uh, wisely.